This is Trash Talk with your host, Garrett the Trashman. Oh yeah, I was getting ready for my rant, but I'll introduce myself. I'm Jason Jarvis. I'm 35. Uh, I was born in Mesa, Arizona. I live in Gilbert now and I have a company called Slate Restoration. So if your house floods are burned down, we, we put it back together. You're the man for it, huh? Yeah, as long as by you, by me, you mean like my team. Because no, I would not. I would not. You should not. I, I've I've wondered this. How handy are you with your hands? N- zero. Zero. Zero probably. handy. Like I, I put myself through. It's called IICRC. It's like the certification process for my technicians, and I put myself through it. But I put myself through it like a marketing person. Like I put myself through it like, oh, that's good. I'll when I talk to a potential client, I'll make sure we mention that we do arthroscopic drawing. I wasn't like, okay, so which tool is that? Like I wasn't I'm uh-huh. I'm not particularly much closer to being able to help you if your if your house floods than I was when I started. But part of that's by design. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. If I were to defend myself quickly, is that like if you read the E myth, like a lot of, you know, small businesses, a guy's a great plumber, so he starts a plumbing company. And then he turns out that like being a great plumber doesn't really help you run a plumbing company. Yeah. And so I am at zero risk of becoming my own best employee. Like I'm yeah. never going to be the guy who's like, get out of my way. Let me do that. You're not yeah. doing it right. And because of that, I'm free to like, I'm not going to bottleneck my company because I'm not going to go get in on the production side and get stuck there. Yeah. It's like, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, which I, I know how to plug in a dehumidifier. Like I could <laughs> per- do like in a perfect. real, in a real emergency, <laughs> I could hold down the fort for you an hour until someone like- shows up. <laughs> Walk around take, like you're taking notes. Absolutely. So they're like, man, this guy got here right away. Started I know very up. little, but I still probably know more than your wife. If she's the one who's home when she has a flood. So I could probably fool her for 45 yeah, minutes. Yeah, perfect. Tell the, tell yeah, the guy real guy, up. like a real guy in construction shows up and he's like, no, get this guy out of, get out of- yeah. So, so you know, minute 50, 55, you're starting to run out My of stuff. My internal shot clock. Yeah, I'm, I, run out of, I run out of things to say. The willy knicker up here like, is yeah. uh, really- Oh, that's a two by four. Okay. Yeah. That's- We're going to need to do something Those about that. Those are popular. That. Yeah. They come from trees from what I understand. Like, yeah, I'm, I, I run out of material quick. Yeah, they uh- – uh, but I think that's like a super wise thing. Um, something we, some a guy we all know, um, Mark uh, Maneri, mm-hmm. and he he had a great podcast. If you haven't listened to that, go go back and listen to Mark. But I was working with him on some things, and there was like two or three we- weeks in a row where he had called me, and I was in a garbage truck. And so I'm like, hey, hold on, let me pull over the garbage truck, find a place, we'll hop out, we'll talk. And finally, on the third week, he was like, Garrett, who's running your what business? What are you doing? Yeah. Who's, who's running your business? Why are you in a garbage truck? Give uh, yourself an hourly value and tell me whether that's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, there's there's no one. Else. Oh, well, it's a big emergency. He's like, you also couldn't create something around that? And I'm like, all right. All right. You're right. So. I have to create something around it. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I think that's probably pretty wise. Like, and it's been great. Yeah. Because I, I have a hard time. Like, any tiny bit of downtime. I'm like, oh, I need to go like I need to go do the business of my business, not uh, not actually working on the business. But I'm like, oh, is there any extra work I can go do? Hopping to pick up, deliver a can. Brene Brown like calls that. it um, busyness as a status symbol. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to this guy who's from Snowflake. So his dad's like a real tough guy, like. You know, had him working, had his son working construction sites from age eight. Sure. Uh-huh. And it's just like a hard worker. Yeah. And we were talking the other day, and I was sort of embarrassed because I'm like, I don't have that, like, gene in me. This guy still wakes up at four in the morning to, mm-hmm. like, lift weights before he goes and does his firefighter job and then runs his construction business after his firefighter job's over. And uh, 
I think I think for him it's really healthy. I think that's how he's wired. But I think for a lot of us it's unhealthy. Like as guys, we feel like we're supposed to be productive. Mm-hmm. And even if that means you're doing the job of someone who might make 15 bucks an hour, you're doing something. And as a man, yeah. you're like, no one can accuse me of being lazy or not trying. Yeah. And it's like, well, who is that for? Who are you trying to prove that to? Yeah. Well, and like the the – Busy and the product, like I, I mix up busy mm. and productive. I've done that in the past for sure, where I'm like, I'm busy, but like nothing is really truly getting done that's moving anything important in my life forward. But if you're nervous about not being good enough, busy is a great way to be like, well, look. Yeah. Look, no, look how, could I be not, how could I be inadequate? Look at all the stuff I'm <laughs> yeah. doing. I did so much stuff. <laughs> yeah. I have to be valuable. Yeah. Well, I, my time, like I just don't have time for things. Yeah. It's It's been funny. Like, I've, I've definitely felt myself going through a shift the past like year and being like, like people, uh, a very common response in the past would be people like, Oh, how's things going? Oh, busy, busy. I'm just so busy. And now I'm like, I'm like, man, basically, basically I'm telling people, I don't know how to manage my time and I don't know what to do like with my own life. So I just let something else control it. You talk about, you guys sometimes start with rants. One of my things I end up ranting about is salespeople when they get access to me it's always they put their hand out and they're like hey i i i know you're busy and i'm like you don't know jack about <laughs> yeah, me bro you, you have no I'm doing idea nothing <laughs> like i'm not i'm not a busyness as a status symbol guy and i hate when people assume i know you're busy and it's like you don't and that's a, it's a different topic and a different rant but salespeople making assumptions instead of like being curious drives me nuts and my my least favorite assumption is like hey i know you're busy i don't yeah. want to bug you yeah, yeah. It's well, like, that's, bro, I'm I'm watching Netflix in here. Like, yeah. you know, I'm fine. <laughs> I, just, I was hoping so. But hey, but thanks for the out. Yeah, man, I'm super busy. Get the hell out of here. Yeah. Like, if you want to let me off the hook, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm busy. Go I, away. I can relate though to the the person you described of like from a very young age, yeah. construction world. You know, up at five. You know, to work by five o'clock in the morning. Like, you know, it's is getting stuff done, hands on, being in the midst of it. And I can relate a lot to what Garrett said, and it's interesting to see how, like, I've had this thought process of being like, well, yeah, like, if I'm not busy, I'm, 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 not, I'm not doing things right. And having to learn that, like, okay, if I can go into the office and get the three or four things that really matter to move the needle that day, and I'm done by 11 o'clock in the morning. Great. Whoa. Yeah. Weird, huh? That's impact. Like if you're measuring by impact, then just have impact. Yeah. But when I measure by busyness, if I close my eyes, when I'm asking myself what makes me feel the need to be busy, if I close my eyes, I'm a visual learner. Someone's looking at me. Someone else. They have to see They don't have a name or a face, but somebody Mm -hmm. in my imagination is watching me in my office. Yeah. And if I check out at 11 o'clock and go on a mountain bike ride, this – this face or faces are watching me be lazy yeah. and they're pointing at me and they're judging me, which, which the laziness How is silly such is a that? funny thing because like I, I've definitely, the mind shift I've been, been working, working on right now is like, I don't want to be bit. I don't want my life to be busy. I want my life to be full. Oh my gosh. So like, yeah. I want to do a ton of things, but like taking as example, like, like mountain biking, for like three years, I'm like, I'm going to get into mountain biking. Right. Like I'm going to get in. Like two years ago, I started jujitsu and did it for six months. Haven't been back since. I'm like, oh, I really want to get back into jujitsu. I want to do all these things. And but if your like, eyeball's deep in a trash can, yeah, it's going to yeah. be hard to find for time no for jujitsu. For no reason doing someone's job that I'm paying to do. <laughs> Just to make sure the imaginary <laughs> yeah. voices in your head don't call you exactly. lazy. That, that they actually do way better than me too. 
and they'll be happier if I let them do what they're good at. That's a sad thing. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You're not even good at it anyways. <laughs> I know. Horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go walk through the shop sometimes like, I got I to gotta get my hands dirty, do something right. like, wait. I need to not touch anything. Right. Absolutely not touch anything. Because if I touch anything in here, I'm going to make it way worse. In real estate, they talk about highest and best use. And it's such a powerful question to be like, is this my highest and best use? Mm-hmm. Ooh, and like if not, that. who am I really serving? Like if my goal is to serve my employees, my team members, like I need to serve them by doing the thing that only I can do that yeah. provides real value. Not to prove myself. That's coming from a place of weird insecurity. Essentialism is a really good book on this topic. I don't know if you guys have heard of that book. But huh? we – my buddies and I started a book club, and that was the first one, and then we never talked about it. But I read I read it, so it's just – it's essentialism. It is what it sounds like it is. It's a good recommendation if you're struggling with busyness and tying that up into your manhood. Like that helps unwind that yeah. to only do things on purpose because you want to because they make sense. Yeah. So here's a question about the and just, just side note with this because I had just told you kind of the format we do with the podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, like I say all the time, this is why I love about having a podcast that's that's mine. We can do whatever the hell we want. <laughs> so we're totally not going the normal form, but, but we just roll with the conversation. So here's a question I have for you. Because you, you manage a team. I do. Um, John's got a team. I've got a team. And here's part of that that I, I wonder if I'm just creating something that's not really there. But it's something that I, I'm aware of and I want to be responsible around. And that's the perception of my team and how they'll like view or relate or um, respond to me as a leader mm-hmm. when what I do as a job or how I create my life is different. Because um, like I've got a lot of team members that I've hired for, hey, you take on these 12 hour days. Right. You go do the the work of the business that can be tough and and if you need me i'll be mountain biking yeah exactly and that's a tough sell in your mind exactly and and i want to communicate too like and if you really need me to come help if if uh three people don't show up and all like i'm all about hey this is like the buck stops with me and Stephen covey the, calls it not my job but i'm not above it exactly like, hey yeah. this isn't my job but if you need me i'm not afraid to get my hands yeah, dirty. yeah i'll hop in the truck but we'll if i'm get getting my hands dirty something's broken down in our system exactly but i'll yeah. do it so and you want them. That's important for your, you that your team knows that you're not above their job. Exactly. Yeah. So that's why I'm curious if you've if you've thought about that or face that and how who are you with your employees that would have them like totally satisfied with the job they agreed to and not looking and saying, well, this guy gets to run around and play. And. I'm here just slaving away so he can do that. Can I take the long way around on my answer? I hope you do. Yeah, I, I hope I can or else we're going to have to end the podcast because I only <laughs> take the long way around. But, <laughs> but if you hang with me, I think I'll, I'll eventually land the plane. Um, there's two places I can think to start. One is with my relationship with my, my wife recently. We have a great relationship, but lately there is when it comes time when she's hurt my feelings and she is aware that she's made a mistake. Not just like I just made something up, but we're like – she calls me a name. Like yeah. it's pretty clear. Like that was a poor choice. Yeah. You know, when it comes time for her to have an apology, she's never, um, not never. My therapist says, "Don't say never." I haven't gone to therapy in a long time, but I remember never is not good. <laughs> my wife isn't often curious. She'll just say, "Hey, I lost my cool. I've been emotional this week. I made a mistake. I, 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 me, me, me. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry." And it's always bothered me that I'm like, "Hey, your apologies are about you." Like, can. Shouldn't they be about me? Like, yeah. aren't I the one? Like, 
Why aren't you curious? Why don't you say, hey, I called you some names. How does that make you feel? Hey, is there anything I need to do to clean up that mess? Mm-hmm. Like what mess did I cause and can I make it right? Like she's not um, not typically curious. And as I've been studying that, because my wife's like such a smart, enlightened, emotionally intelligent person. I'm like, what's got her getting that wrong? Cause she doesn't get many things wrong. And it's um, fear of the answer. She's not mm. curious because she's afraid of the answer. Gotcha. She's yeah. afraid I'm going to say, well – you know, what's going on for me is it's just like I've never loved you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like she's so afraid. <laughs> well, you called me a dumbass. Like, yeah. What? What's really been going on over here? What's really been going on for me is like I've just never been committed to this marriage and it just reminded me what an awful mistake it was. Like She doesn't want to hear that. Yeah. So she doesn't yeah. ask. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And instead, she goes into explaining. And, um, you know, we've been to this leadership course together. And explanations are just not not useful. Usually. Yeah, they mean nothing. Like they mean it's just nothing. this justification. It that... serves it serves the explainer. Yeah. So it's like, and will, now you, I'm getting... will you accept this? <laughs> yeah, this I, story I created. This is what I told my wife. I said, "I'm being punished twice." It's because like you call me you call me a dumbass, and then I've got to listen to you explain why you did it, and then I have to pat you on the head. And say, I understand why you did it, and I don't judge you. And I'm so sorry that you've been. I'm so sorry emotional. that you called me a dumbass. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'm exactly. a ball- yeah, like, how did that happen? <laughs> Whoa, these tables have. Oh, how the turntables. Yes, is how, like, oh, stuff. how the turntables. So that's so that's so my takeaway from that is, when I'm coming from a place of fear, I'm less curious, and when I'm coming from a place of fear, I have assumptions, and then based on those assumptions, I. I act in a, usually in a not particularly useful way. For my mm-hmm. wife, she acts by explaining things to me. It's like, well, yeah, spoiler alert, I knew why you were being nuts. Like, I, I live with you. Like, yeah. I know you. Like, uh-huh. And I love you. And, I, and she had a miscarriage, and it was, the, it was the due date of when the baby, our baby was supposed to be born. And within two days of that, she flips out and calls me names. It's like, well, I'm not that smart, but I'm smart enough. Like, yeah. of course you're feeling emotional from this other thing. And I have unbelievable amounts of grace and compassion for you. I don't need your explanation. Yeah. But but she's fearful that that's not what's going on, so I get a lot of I get a lot of explanation. So to to start to to bring the plane around to the question you asked, which is how do I engage with my team or how do I show up for my team or how does my team see me? What I found was I was similar to my wife for a lot of years where I didn't get curious about how my team experienced me mm-hmm. because my story about how I experienced myself is everybody works harder for me than I work, and everybody makes less money than me? Like those yeah. are the two truths that I held. Is that, that you I, were kind I of, work the least hard and take the most money? And you were probably trying to hide that fact a little bit from everyone. Like, and I'm like, I, I don't I, want them to find out this secret that I don't work that hard and I get more money than all I you. I gotta pretend that I'm working hard, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of people go, Oh, I know you're busy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah let's go with that. It's great. You couldn't imagine what's like sitting in my office. Yeah, this no, is bonkers I, up I here. sound this way because I'm sick, not because I just woke up and you've been at work for three hours. Yeah, let's go with whatever you said. Like I'm not lying. I'm just, uh, you know, not cleaning up your. M- Wrong assumption. So it, it was a it was a mess where I didn't get curious because I was afraid of the answer, and then I also got caught being totally inauthentic because mm-hmm. I sure. had this belief that I worked the least hard for the most amount of money. Therefore, you know it, they say like in uh, psychology, one of the four like fundamental faulty core beliefs that is, is that if anybody really knew me, they wouldn't love me. And you know that's more relationship driven, and I don't need my employees to love me. But if anyone really knew me, they wouldn't respect me. Like that's the belief yeah. I had. Uh-huh. And so I spent probably from 2017, from 2020, 
pretending to be working so that my team would respect me. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is like as you stack up inauthenticities, it becomes chaotic and harder and harder to manage. You know, Mark Twain says, if you always tell the truth, you never have to remember anything. Yeah. Well, if you never tell the truth, you always have to remember everything, everything. all the time. And yeah. the longer you're you're stacking up, you know, half truths and and assum- you know poor assumptions on top of each other, the harder that gets to manage. And eventually, it started to crumble around me. And I was like, dude, I'm either gonna have to like actually become a really hard worker, which I don't actually doesn't actually align for me. It's not the purpose for which I started my company. Yeah. Or I'm gonna have to come clean. So for me, I started to come clean. Um, the way an addict comes clean when they hit rock bottom. Like I had no choice. I couldn't manage all these stories and no one was buying that I'm a hard worker anyways. Like Uh I'm not, we're not that clever. At least I'm not. So whatever perception I wanted my team to have, they, they weren't having it anyways. And it showed up in like the way, you know, they'd make jokes about me or like, you know, like, Oh, Jason's probably out mountain biking and Jason's out this. I'm like, well, turns out I'm not that good at hiding it anyway. So my relationship, my team was like, I just moved towards radical honesty to set myself free. And I had to get clear for myself because I was also from 2017 to 2020. Not only was I being inauthentic about how hard I was working with them, but I was being wildly dishonest with myself about how hard I wanted to work. Yeah. I had this built-in assumption as a man that, of course, I want to work hard. Yeah. But I didn't. I didn't work hard, and I didn't want to work hard. At least not in in the scrubbing trash cans way I wasn't working hard. Yeah. Maybe you work hard in stuff you – are curious about and enjoying have maybe it's full like your life is yeah. full of stuff to yeah. maybe or maybe I was just screwing around but whatever it was I needed to be honest with myself so that I can then be honest with my team and so as I got honest with myself and got honest with my team as I started to have interviews my interviews started to change to hey um I'm going to conduct your interview and then you're going to meet with a department manager and then you're going to get started and hey my typical experience is um when I onboard a new employee that I come from a sales background and instinctively I start to sell a potential employee the way I'd sell a potential client. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to tell you all the great things about our company and I'm going to be really engaged and I'm going to sometimes if I'm not careful, I'm going to make promises that I'm always here for you and I'm just a phone call away and here's my cell phone number and anytime I can ever help. And, and I said, um, I don't want to do that with you. Like, this may be the last time you and I have a meaningful conversation is yeah. in this interview. Mm-hmm. And I want to be clear about that. If that's a deal breaker for you, I understand, but I want to be more authentic. So my goal for this company is to see if I can build it in such a way that it can survive without me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm currently in the process of testing that. I'm not actively engaged all the time in it. And here's what I've done to set up you know, an infrastructure that will – thrive without me being present all the time and that's what this business is how do you feel about that you know i brought on a partner for the first time and my minority partner and and he's an old school hard worker football coach up at crack of dawn like working his butt off kind of guy and i just go hey that's not me are you okay with that and he goes yeah man like yeah like that's totally fine i just don't know how to make the phone ring like i just love to produce fires and floods once they come in like, if you can make the phone ring, I would be eternally grateful, and I don't need you to be here. Yeah. Just make sure the phone rings. I was like, oh, okay. So I got curious, like, hey, are you okay with the fact that you're going to catch me? Mount- like, I'm not going to let you catch me at mountain biking at 2. I'm just going to be mountain biking yeah. at 2. It's not going to be a secret. Like, hey, if you want to look on my calendar, like, yeah. you can see. Yeah. I'll you're, be mountain biking. You're going to see some stuff. After that, I got a, got a swimming lesson because I got a coach there, then a dinner. And, and you know, you know what? If, if you want to talk at 7, got some time open If you now. text me at 6.15 in the morning and I don't respond until 8.45, like, 
You know, yeah. you can count it's on what that. You, it's what you think it is. I was asleep. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't like in an important meeting you didn't know about at 6 a.m. Like, I just was asleep. And I'm not, you know, I, I don't need to overshare. But, like, I, I, as I got more curious with my team, I found out they don't need me to be yeah. the hard worker. Well, and, they need me to treat them right, take care of them, and have integrity, and to be honest. And there's a couple things I can see there. And one would be... Like how we all laughed about when you're like, yeah, what my wife, why she's not curious is because I might say, yeah, like, oh, you don't love me. Like, that's probably how hysterical it is to play that same conversation out where it's like, what if I went and told my, my number two, like, listen, hey, I, I'll i be here these times and these times. And this is what you can expect of how I'm going to fill my day and how often I'll be here, everything else. It probably be just as hysterical to say, oh, yeah. He's going to be like, well, then I don't want to be here right. if that's the case. <laughs> right. Like, I only worked freaking 5 a.m. to to uh, 7 p.m. because I thought you were here too, and yeah. I'm not going to do it if you're not here. And how egomaniacal and narcissistic is it for me to assume that my employee who's got a wife and kids and life goals and future dreams and hopes and plans, that his ability to show up and work hard and with integrity is entirely dependent on on some choice that I made? Yeah, like, yeah. how ridiculously overstated is my importance in yeah. that scenario? Well, and, and not making the, the decision for him. Like, that's a that's a grown-ass man over there. Yeah. Where if that if, if it doesn't work for him, the agreement that he's agreed to, he can change that. He can address that. And the um, only thing that doesn't work for him is a partner that's full of crap. Yeah. And, yeah. like, that's all he, that, he just needs the truth because we can create around the truth. Yeah. I have a question around that. So this whole not, like, keeping it all swept underneath the rug idea and just being like, yeah, this is what I want to create and, like, I'm going to be open about it. Do you find it easier to be that way than, you know, trying to keep it all swept underneath the rug? It's so much easier. It it was really um, challenging to my personal narrative at first. And I'm still – so here's the mess I'm in now is, like, I have been operating under the assumption that I want to be a guy who's a hard worker because guys I look up to are hard workers. That successful people, they're up early and you know, people are like, oh, you should read The Morning Miracle and you should read this book and you should read that book. And they all say like, be passionate and work hard. Yeah. And so I love being honest because it sets me free in my relationship with my team and I've been incredibly relieved to hear my team say, hey, we love you. We appreciate you. We appreciate the fact that you empower us. And we don't need you to be here all the time. You started this company. You did something a long time ago that we didn't. You we don't know how risk. to do. You and we're grateful you keep for the it. Phones, whatever you do, good. You do that. You did that, and like, thank you for creating an environment that we can flourish. And we don't need you. Like, as freeing as that was, there's this other part that. So that part's like the the positive side. The flip side is now I look in the mirror and go, well, if I'm not trying to be the hardest worker in the room, or if I'm not trying to be the inspiration to all my employees at the work, what am I trying to be? Like, that's been the weird thing for me is like, I read this essentialism book. And it's like, don't climb in trash cans. Mm-hmm. It's like, cool. So I go home and I'm like, wait, <laughs> wait, I'm pretty sure I wasn't supposed to get out of the trash can so I could sleep till 10. Yeah. And then like dick around and watch Netflix in the Taco Bell parking lot as I eat my food. And the next thing I look up, I'm like, is it three o'clock in the afternoon? <laughs> well, like, where am I? What happened? The, it's like, the, isn't this car supposed to get better gas miles than six miles to the gallon? Oh, it's because I just leave it running parked somewhere all day. Because like, I am committed to not 
doing shit that isn't worth my time. Yeah. yeah and but, so instead, I'm going to do nothing. But if you fill it with nothing, it's like, well, $5 an hour would Dude, be Dude, cleaning worth. trash cans would be a market step in the yeah. right direction towards productivity. So I've removed things that don't matter and have yet to fill the void with deeply meaningful things that do matter. So that's been my thing. It's been incredibly freeing to let go of old narratives. But there is in the death and rebirth process, there's this period for me. Like when I was younger, I had some kids that I was friends with that were just kind of screw-ups. And it became clear to me that like I don't want to have bad friends that are going to make bad choices. So I split off from them. Well, the immediate result is that I had no friends. Yeah. And bad friends actually felt better than no friends. Yeah. But I had to stay courageous in that space of no friends, trusting that as I create a space for something better to show up, that it will show up. And so I'm in that moment now where it's like I've got rid of the things that don't align for me, and I freed up a lot of time. Yeah. I'm waiting for something productive to fill that uh, time. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I, I feel like Tim Ferriss addresses that question that, like, it, it's always bounced around my head. And uh, I I definitely see myself doing exactly what he said. But I the busyness, I u- I've used busyness in the past to avoid facing that question of, like, what do I really want out of life? Who do I really want to be? Because if you're just busy – you don't ever have to actually take the steps. I mean, it's before we started recording, I, I talked about uh, talking to Paul Tyler's brother and mm-hmm. doing an Ironman. Yeah. And it's like, well, if I told that to someone, someone was like, yeah, we'll do it someday. And we just right. left it there. Then we would both have that convenient excuse of like someday when we're not busy. And honestly, you both pat yourself on the back and be like, man, how cool am I that I would do an Iron I was going to do I'm that. Not, yeah, that theoretically when <laughs> yeah. the time is right, I would do that. Like, yeah. I, I remember when I started my business, that's the thing that was the most confronting is like I had this narrative that like these freaking morons that I got <laughs> as bosses, like if I was ever the boss, man, oh, freaking to the moon, man. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I start my own business and I'm like, oh no. Like I don't know if I'm ready to actually find out. This narrative I have of myself of I would be amazing if, and then the thing that follows the if is something else out in the universe has to change that I'm not in control of. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I got this beautiful victim narrative that actually makes me feel powerful. If I wasn't a victim, man, I'd freaking take over the world. My <laughs> bosses weren't morons. I'd be amazing. Also, I start my own business. And I'm like, oh no, this is scary, dude. Like, if I actually had control of my time, I'd be in shape. My wife would think I'm the most amazing husband in the world. I'd be the best dad You're ever. You're thinking if I picked a date to do an Iron Man, I'd freaking grind. I'd crush that thing. And then your buddy's like, oh cool, pick a date. And you're like, huh? What's that? We're both so busy. It's I like, thought, don't you like, know what we're doing here, bro? Yeah. You're not like, don't call my like. We're we're co-creating a fantasy where we both going to be the hero without doing any work like yeah. don't ask me to actually pick a date yeah. like you're ruining it sure it will be a lot more rewarding if we actually <laughs> do it but let's play this game for a little bit longer but that narrative really matters and 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 something if i could jump back to that's been really really powerful for me that i i had an awareness maybe 10 years ago of this thing that happened and i've been monitoring it for the 10 years since and it and it holds true every time and the thing that i've noticed is and this is gonna make me sound like kind of like hippie new agey and that's not how I mean it but it's this the best way I can put language to it is that if you don't create an a void in the universe like if you don't create a, a space in your life then it can't get filled and what I mean is I talk to young people and they're like well I'm dating this girl and I don't think I'm going to marry her but like you know there's just not a lot of good wait girls out the there right I'm just waiting when the right one's like well guess what like there's like in I don't know 
hopefully no scientists listen to this podcast because this is going to be a really inaccurate scientific <laughs> analogy. But there's something about black holes. They pull things in. Like they have yeah. a strong, gra- mm-hmm. you know, strong gravitational yeah. pull. Well, you've got to have a void, and then it, it draws things in. You stick a lame girlfriend in that void, yeah. and the gravity's gone. Like there's no, there's no pull there because there's no void. Yeah. And so you're going to stay with this you know, lame girl that you don't want to marry and wonder why the Mrs. Wright doesn't show up. It's like there's no space for her to show up. Like, And I've seen that happen in my company where it's like, hey, we need – Hey, so and so in this role is not performing. Okay, well let's find a quality candidate, and then and when we'll, we find a quality candidate, then we'll kick that guy to the curb and we'll fill him in. And then we never find a quality candidate, and it's like we've got to find the courage to just open the space yeah. and trust that that this that when the space is open, then it draws in the right candidate. But it's hard to be single. It's hard to fire your estimator when you only have one estimator, and you're going to go from one to zero. That doesn't <laughs> feel like the right move. Yeah. But the second we do, man, one. You tackle the thing with more urgency. So something about it is that I take action differently when there's a void. I look for I look for my wife better when I'm single and lonely than I do when I'm like, well, yeah. this girl's isn't great, but whatever. Yeah. You're not you're not looking with the same I, intensity. I got someone to, to make out with. And two, there's a girl. You know, there's estimators out there that go, man, Slate's a great company. I wish they had an opening. Yeah. But we don't have an opening because I plugged a C minus in there and and won't won't freaking kick his ass to the curb. When I finally fire him, then there's people out there that go, hey, look. I think Slate does have an opening, and, and opportunities that I didn't know were out there have space to show up. And that's what's happening with you with your busyness. It's like who knows what kind of amazing insight and inspiration you would have if you forced yourself to sit at your desk and say, I am not doing anything until the thing I do is worth my time. Yeah. And it'll drive you nuts because you guys, unlike me, are like naturally hard workers and can drive you nuts. And so when forced to be disciplined, your creativity is going to like turn up to an 11, and yeah. you're going to find – Something special, but you got to first create the space. Yeah. Well, and it makes me think of a uh, a training I did with my management team, and and I can now that you're saying this, I can really see the correlation. I did train with them about an abundant mindset, Mm. and we were talking about when something that occurred to me, and as we talked about it, it occurred to most of my management team. Like, if I'm driving down the road and I see a competitor's can, if I'm not careful, my mindset goes straight to that and there's there's no abundance it's straight scarcity Scarcity. and it's like well if they've got that customer there now like (laughs) oh no maybe my business is going out and sure i just looked at my p l and we're doing 15 percent better than we did the year prior (laughs) but that one single can i saw and all of a sudden my 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 vision goes from totally wide open to opportunities i could be creative create new things to this tiny narrow hole of like i'm just gonna turn around and knock on that customer's door <laughs> and I'm going to say, listen, I'll give you a, for a quarter of the price. I'll do it for you. <laughs> which, which honestly, if I turn around and actually do the thing, it'd probably be fine because then it would be over with. And You're picking the, word of the, the worst of the three options where like you go from abundance to scarcity, but not so scarcity. You actually take action on the freaking exactly. trash can you saw. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think that like that void or that space, like I think it really does tie to that mindset of just like, there's there's so much out there. There's so much open that like it, it's I've I've really started to wrap my hand around my head around the abundance around money, but mm. abundance around time, because there's 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 a lot more stories for me wrapped up around that of like you're saying got to work hard or people have got to see me working hard, um, and and or when I go back to my wife like I've got to be able to tell her how important and how she might not. She might not love me if she doesn't know how important I am at uh, at the business, and so I got to tell her how if it wasn't for me, the whole company would have collapsed today. And, this is uh, this is so funny. This is like 
turning into like uh, me talking about my wife. But <laughs> when I was first married, it was so funny that um, if I came home and I had made $5,000 in commission that day as a salesman, but it took me three hours or it happened on the golf course and I come home happy, then the, the, the natural reaction from my wife is like, oh, well, if you're so happy, why don't you, you know, you take the kids and start changing some. Like I was almost in trouble for being yeah, happy. Uh-huh. But if I came home like like I had just pulled a double shift in like a coal mine. Yeah. And she's like, "Hey, sweetie, do you want dinner? Can I she rub your back?" Relax. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, oh, you've worked so hard. And like, so somewhere along the line, I'm just to add one more layer to it is like, we're narrative creatures and we create stories. And and in, as men, we are the hero of our own story. And so in our adventure narrative, we are like. The, the night that 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 is doing this big brave thing and we're we're dangerous and we're hardworking and we're whatever we have this story and if we have this narrative that like we're men and we work hard and that's what men do and I'll wrestle anything to the ground I'm not scared of anything and I'll take over the world and I'm gonna listen to these hustle culture podcasts I'm gonna outwork everybody in the room I'm gonna be a lion not a sheep or whatever look that doesn't that narrative doesn't fit well with hey what's uh you know what's Jason up to uh, you know, I don't know. I think he's, you know, on a hike with his kids. It's like, yeah. huh? Like, there's no space for you to create that because it doesn't fit the freaking narrative. But it's mm-hmm. the narrative's not particularly useful if it, all it does is grind you into dust and doesn't yeah. give you any space to create. Because mm-hmm. as a leader of your company, you've got to be a creator more than you've got to be a doer. Yeah. So, uh, I didn't want to cut you off. Are you done? Right oh, I'll there? never be done unless you cut me off. You better <laughs> cut me off. <laughs> no, I just, I didn't want to. If you had something else to say there, I want to acknowledge, and and I hope everyone that's listening can hear this. I want to acknowledge one, the questions you ask yourself. I find those truly incredible, and that two, that like you're honest enough with yourself to give those answers. Mm. Like my experience of most people, and and when I say most people, almost almost all people aren't going to ask themselves those questions. Why not? What do you think stops people? It's the narratives we tell ourselves. It's it, 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 it's it's being in a box our whole lives and and not realizing that there we're we're living our life in a box like this this equipment's in when we have the whole room available to us. Right. Well, and I I think part of it too is creating that space that you're talking about that can be filled. Oh, I love like, that analogy. That's, that's what, I, dude. You nailed it. Like if you're just so busy, it's like. Nope, there's no room for any anything else to get in here to actually slow down and ask the question, why am I why am I going through every single email? Like the whole world has access to it. Why am I giving any Tom Dick or Harry like control over my time right now? <laughs> like like I gotta actually read this email or else I'm gonna miss something that's just gonna be so life changing. It's because you have competing narratives. I mean I don't I'm saying that like yeah. it's fact, but I'm yeah. I I usually take a stance like a lawyer and just like argue for it, and then <laughs> someone argues against it, and I go, "Oh, I was wrong." So I, I don't mean this is absolute truth, but what I see is there's competing narratives because you have one narrative that you have to be busy to be productive to have value for you know, for the same reason my wife is proud of me if I'm sad when I get home from work, but resentful if I'm happy. Yeah. She's not anymore. Yeah, like, not anymore. But when we were first married, her our dad was a hard worker. So if I if you work hard, you come home exhausted and. And frustrated and overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. So that's a thumbs up. <laughs> give me so my true. beer. Yeah, give, give me my, my beer. Get my out beer. Of my way. I gotta get my news on. Take care of these damn kids. But if you're happy, you didn't work hard enough, yeah. obviously. And mm-hmm. so, so I think that that we have these competing narratives where it's like we wanna we wanna be that guy who's the hardest working guy in the room. But then there's this other like more enlightened, evolved, abundance mindset part of us that understands that 
what would really serve the world and and to to piggyback on what you said earlier what would really have impact might only take 30 minutes it might be something totally different i mean i sat back and i was reading this essentialism book and i thought how could i have impact today if i told myself i'm only working 30 minutes period like i'm not allowed just to do as a thought exercise if i only had 30 minutes well now i can't go call on accounts all day it doesn't make any sense i'm yeah. not gonna go call on one account that doesn't make sense so like what would i do if i only had 30 minutes and i thought i'd I could text every single human being. I have 30 employees. I could text all 30 employees in 30 minutes. I could take one minute per per team member and compliment them. Tell them something I value about them. I could say, hey, I know I'm not around enough, so you may not realize that I notice, but I notice, and I know what you're up to, and I appreciate it. Yeah. It's like if I send out – if 30 people on my team got 30 sincere, meaningful affirmations from me, that would be infinitely more impactful than anything else I could do. But that's like that, – that that inspiration doesn't come when you're responding to emails from Tom, Dick, and Harry. Yeah. This is not happening. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, and, and then Because you're not looking for it. There's exactly. no space for it to show up. Exactly. And meanwhile, the rest of the day, you can go on a mountain bike ride, then go go paddle boarding with your kids and uh, like make it there in time to help your, your wife cook dinner. My mentor I, – I try to be like a hard worker. I have this mentor and we meet every week and I was trying to impress him. And You try? I was trying so hard to like impress him. Like this is early in our relationship. Like he's a hard worker, therefore I need to be a hard worker. Like again, all assumptions, all fear-based assumptions. And you know, uh, I've been Jordan Peterson, my mentor, this uh, this uh, other coach that I've been engaged with, and everywhere I look, there's a common theme of like we have this fear of like social rejection. So I'm with my mentor, and I want him to like me. Mm-hmm. And so instead of being curious, instead of being authentic. Uh, or being curious about what he wants out of our relationship, I assume what he wants out of our relationship. I assume it's not me, because I'm not, I'm not X, Y, and Z, and he's X, Y, and Z. So I got to be, I'm just being totally fake. And so for years we're like in this dynamic that's you know, authentic, and then I get inauthentic, and I got to clean it up, and it's back and forth. And what's interesting is, one day he goes, "Hey, I was telling him I'm struggling, like being productive and whatever," and he's like, "Yeah, you just need to have more fun, man." I'm like, "What?" Like, I'm thinking he thinks that, like, I need to cut out all my shenanigans and mm-hmm. grow up and be serious. And he's like, listen, man, what I know about you is that when you're happy and you're lighthearted, you're really creative. And when you're creative, you're unbelievably capable. He's like, you need to go do something fun, man. Do something fun, and as soon as you're done doing something fun, then ask yourself what your business needs. But make sure when you ask yourself the question, you're light and you're happy and you're you're creative and you're an abundance mindset and you've been outside in nature you spent time yeah. playing wiffle ball with your kids or whatever and then ask yourself the question cuz like what he understood that I didn't is that like I could create something really powerful in just a few minutes but I've got to be in the right place mm-hmm. it's not what I'm doing it's who I am in yeah. it and like when I'm doing a bunch of stuff that doesn't align for me I never show up as my best self and my best self is the only one that's capable of having the kind of ideas that could move the world forward in any meaningful way and it's a I mean like I can imagine someone listening to this podcast and they got a boss and like, hey, I listen to this podcast and like, I decided I'm gonna stay on the clock, but I'm a, I'm yeah. gonna go watch a movie. Yeah. But trust me, it's gonna be good because I'll manifest as my best self after <laughs> I watch this movie. Like, I'm aware that there's some impracticality to this, and there's times when you just need to do your freaking job. Mm-hmm. But in the times when there's nothing that's both urgent and important, then don't default to busy work. Yeah. Don't default to creating the fire. Yeah. Get, yeah. Get crap done that needs to get done, but don't make stuff up just so you feel important. That's yeah. as a leader, especially. That, that needs a set of vision for the team, there's got to be an intentionality around having time to be creative and have vision. Yeah. So 
I can totally relate to something that you said that goes along with what you were just talking about around the whole idea of this void and understanding like what does and doesn't work for you because last year I realized that the main business that I had started my home care business like I hated being in the day to day like right. I, I like it was like nails on a chalkboard and I realized that like I was just I was not in alignment in that. And did you, were you, how, what was the process of getting honest with yourself about that? Did you like feel that little nagging sense of I freaking hate this? And oh, did you shove I, it off and go, no, I don't. This yeah. it's a bad day. Or like, did you? Years. Years. Okay. Several years of like, <laughs> I hate this, but I started it and I've got yeah. to grind it out and I've got to be in the office, you know, duty, accountability, responsibility. Yeah. People I've got to be me. responsible. And do it for 20 years. Yeah. Then you can finally sell it and get out. Yeah. And, and I realized like, no, that does not work for me. And to be honest, it it took like put my big boy pants on and saying, no, this does not work for me. I need to create it differently into something that does work and something that I need to, to do something to create wealth for myself that like is more in alignment with me. And you know, an insight I had that I think, I think, uh, piggybacks off of what you're saying is that so I was at church and I was thinking about um when I was growing up in my particular church community there seemed to be a perfectionism culture mm -hmm. and it was perfectionism under the guise of let's be a good example so if we want to be good Mormons we should look like we're perfect and everyone should act perfect and dress perfect and then people that aren't Mormon will be so inspired by our wonderful families that they'll want to be part of our community. And I think that's a well-intentioned goal. I think there was something in there that made sense. Mm -hmm. But the manifestation of it became anxiety and shame and, and uh, hiding, truths. hiding truths. And it's, it was, ended up being not particularly useful. Um, it was in a box. It was in a box. It was constraining. Yeah, there was some things that you couldn't do or say or talk about because they didn't fit the narrative. When you got a narrative that's more important than reality, then reality gets smushed down. When reality is smushed down, it causes all sorts of anxiety and fear and whatever. But what I realized was, I see this in culture reflected everywhere, is that anytime we're doing something that isn't working, we assume that's the solution is to do the opposite thing. Yeah. And then when you do the opposite thing, you're just as far from the center of the bullseye as yeah. you were when you're doing the other thing. <laughs> it's like, oh, my wife, like she's this and she's that. Like we're getting divorced. She just doesn't meet my needs sexually. And it's like, I'm going to go date a stripper. It's like, well, that's – you flew way past the sweet spot. You know what I mean? Yeah. But we all do that. I'd like her to be a little bit more adventurous. Yeah. And you're like, bro, I think you overcorrected. Yeah. She's got face tattoos. Like this is going to like – this person's gonna be responsible for co-parenting your children. Like, just get to the middle, dude. Like, we fly right past the middle. And so, this is not shockingly. My primary purpose was not to warn people getting divorced to not overcorrect. And this is not like a PSA against dating like strippers. But I'm sure they're the, great. I'm sure they're I'm great. Sure. Hey, shout out to all the strippers listening to the Trash Podcast out there. We appreciate you. We'll send you a free shirt if I've offended you. But here's the, the point. I think. I think if I could try to still make a point is that if John identifies that like he that he hates the freaking he hates working in the business. He loves starting the business. He loves the people in the business. I mean, he took care of my grandparents. Like I I know that there was a sincere and genuine care for my grandparents that like is deeply meaningful to me. So it's not that you hate every part of it. But what I would say is 
if you're working super hard and then you realize that you kind of hate it, that doesn't mean you go from working super hard to never working again. That's an overcorrection. Like that's not what that's not what I would suggest. Like I would never suggest a 180 degree overcorrection. In fact, you don't have to change anything at all. Like you can continue in the short term to take the exact same action, but take the action with a different understanding about your relationship with it. There's something powerful. Like if John's thought is, I don't hate this. I don't hate this. This is great. This is great. This is, just, this is a funk. I just need exercise more. It's probably just like unhappy because no, I'm fine. Everything's fine. Yeah. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Well, that's not a really powerful place to come from. But if he woke up one morning and said in the mirror, hey, self, I hate this job now. I love starting it, but I don't like doing it. But I love the people in it and I love what I've done and I, I don't want to throw the baby out of the bathwater. Today, because I don't have any powerful alternatives, I'm going to go to work. I'm going to do a bunch of stuff I don't like because it needs to be done because I care about this business. I have enough honor and respect for it. In the short term, I'm willing to sacrifice and show up even though I don't love it. But while I'm doing it, I'm going to be actively looking at it with new eyes, thinking to myself, who else could do this? How else could this get done? What do I want to do next? If I work for nine hours, is there two hours of it I love? Is there no hours of it I love? If I love none of it, what what did I used to love? What could I do that's close to that that I could do again in the future? And you can still do the thing, oh, yeah. but you just do it with a slightly different understanding with a different target in mind, and you'll end up in a different spot a year later. So like Ooh. the act of like rigorous, radical honesty doesn't mean you have to change your behavior in some way. Like if someone says, I don't think I love my wife, it's like, okay, you just don't love her today. When did you love her? Like we can take a deep breath. But it starts with being honest. But I think some people think that once they have a new truth, then everything else crumbles around. It's like, no, The whole world's got to change. Yeah, the whole world doesn't have to change and flip because you have a realization that feels true today. Yeah, and I I think recognizing that there's a season for so many things because when you can build an actual like timeline and a change of things, like I'll take for example this house that I'm redoing right now. Um, one of the first things I discovered was that the sewer had been leaking underneath the house for years. Mm. So what that, that's, what, that, that, that's a great thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what that looked like is I need to go underneath, shovel out all the poop mm. and cut out all the, all the plumbing. And I spent probably two weeks doing that. And the, the doing of that job was no big deal to me because like I, while I was doing that, I knew that wasn't my future forever. It was like, yeah, if every day I wake up and I'm literally shoveling shit. If this is, your jo- <laughs> if this is still your life five years from now, there's going to be a yeah, problem. Then that day would be – each day would be significantly right. harder. So, And I just say that to illustrate like, like I loved how you said of like I'll go do this today, but a year from later it can be different because that – but the catalyst is being aware of that. And then going about it in a way where you didn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And I wanted to give give myself a pat on the back and give a give an example of how that played out in my business. Because one, there's seasons. So there was one point at the business where where employee issues and other things led to me doing a lot of the work of the business. And yeah. um, so I I was driving trucks back and forth to the landfill a lot, working the transfer station, just doing doing that a ton and a ton. And what I've recognized, why I love the trash business so much is because I love having days where I go to work and I get back filthy dirty. Yeah. I've been just working all day in, in big trucks. I'm like a little kid. I like I like big trucks. I like when I chain things down because I just feel feel so cool. and <laughs> right. drive a backhoe and I'm just like, yeah, like I, I love it. But I also love about my job that some days I'll go to work in a suit. Like right. 
Like I j- I'm, I'm someone that loves variety. And so recognizing and like being okay with maybe three times a year, I walk out and I go, you know what? I want to take a load to the landfill. I want to get dirty yeah. today. And and what I've found has been so impactful is instead of me, instead of having a system that relied on me to actually get the job done, that, that didn't move the business forward, it actually hindered it, and it was really, really risky because I wasn't working on the business. If something pulled me away, then that job of the business wasn't getting done. All sorts of issues with it then building a system where we could count on multiple people to get that done was really easy. And then it was much more impactful for the business as a whole for me to walk out there one morning or be there at uh, be there at 5 a.m. when the truck driver shows up and say, hey, listen, go home, go How back cool in bed, that? have a good, have a long weekend. I'll haul all your loads today. How cool is that? And it's like everyone's needs gets fulfilled on and the business is served the baby didn't get thrown out with the bathwater. The parts of the business that I know I love um, but don't want to be all and everything about the business, I still get that satisfied. And the employee feels valued, serves, get, gets a well-deserved and needed break. And so I love what you're – I think you did a beautiful job of, like, putting that in of, like, yeah, missing the target. Don't go marry the hooker. Don't, yeah. That's like, a, <laughs> yeah, that's different. Like, yeah, you yeah. didn't like your last life. Well, that, this is a different life. Yes. Yeah, if you were looking for different, you found it. But, like, did you fly right over the sweet spot? And what I loved is, like, in this in this example is it's beautiful. It's perfect. It's You ended up in the nuanced, open-minded middle. Yeah. And the middle is so hard because it feels – so uncertain like if you are if you are a hardcore all the way right political trump loving patriot there's no complex there's no uncertainty these eight things are correct and these eight things are incorrect and that may not be reality but if that's your reality it's at least simple yeah and if you're a far left whatever it's like socialism good capitalism bad yeah white people bad minorities oppressed it's like then you turn your brain off and you just have accepted truths and it's not a lot of work. Yeah. But you get in the middle and you have to make choices and you have to have nuance and you have to have critical thinking and it's complicated. But you nailed it where you're like, listen, you had this – first, you're working too much out in the field, getting your hands dirty too often. But you didn't overcorrect and say, well, you know what? I, I, I can't be doing that, man. I've got to make a commitment that I'm never going to get out mm-hmm. and get my hands dirty. That's not my job. Like. You didn't overcorrect. You stayed right in the middle, and you found an incredibly powerful way to manifest your desire to get your hands dirty, mm-hmm. which is like some guy shows up at five, and you're like, bro, go take the weekend. And yeah. you get to go get – like I could not think of a – you know, we talked – we've been sort of using you being in a trash can as shorthand for you wasting your time yeah, or misbehaving in your business because mm-hmm. the way we described it earlier is like you just get out and work because you just wanted to be yeah. busy. Well, all of a sudden now the way we're talking about it, I take back anything I said about you, like you being inside of a trash can. If you're talking about what you just explained, you send a guy home for the weekend and you go climb in a trash can, I can't imagine anything more powerful for your business. Well, and and I, it scratches an itch for you. Like what an incredible, what an incredibly creative, thoughtful, highly impactful solution to what could have been dismissed as just a thing you should never do. Yeah. Well, and I think that's why it's so dangerous to give like these extreme one ways or the others. Yeah. Because it's like you can't write a book and say – Never be out in the field. I mean, you can, and people do. But because right. uh, it's, it's easy to remember, it's like yeah. got it. Yeah, 
And liberals bad. Got it. Yeah. Exactly. Done. I'll turn my brain off now. Like, got, oh, that was easy. It. Yeah. It's like there's so much <laughs> lost in the uh, there's so much lost in the creativity of. Uh, well, you don't have any creative creativeness there. Uh, creativity there. It's just it's just turned Jordan off. Peterson was talking to this lady. I don't know if you guys know Jordan Peterson, but I just yeah. kind of just started listening. I really like him. But one thing that he talked about was there's something so romantic about ideologies like just belief systems where they say hey here's a belief system just accept it and you don't have to really think about it and he said the hard part was when he's talking to someone when he has an experience of talking to someone that he believes is operating from a pretty uh rigid ideology he says i'm not talking to you you're not there the person he's talking to isn't there he's like you're not there all you are is you're you're a manifestation of the ideology i already know what you're going to say because i know what the ideology is it's Mm -hmm. like i might as well be on this isn't a website yeah. that represent. I might as well, you know, read the mission statement of the website of whatever the ideology that you support is. Mm-hmm. And you don't have access to that person. And it's the same thing with us when when we read. You know, ideologies aren't inherently bad. Like I, I'm part of a church that has doctrine, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a framework to that. I'm not a moral relativist. I, I I believe in absolute truths, and I believe in there's correct principles that yeah. have eternal value and permanent utility. So I'm not against having a framework of principles or beliefs, but but I believe that good principles hold up to critical thinking. So mm-hmm. they don't need to be exempt from critical thinking. And for you, if you read some business book, you read E-Myth and it said, you know, don't be the technician, be the be the entrepreneur. If you had turned your brain off, you would have missed an incredibly powerful opportunity to, to find something creative and beautiful that works for you that scratches an itch and is a powerful way to show up as a leader. Like you, you stayed engaged in trying to find the sweet spot. You know, this, yeah. this, this sounds. What I hear in this is alignment, and mm. and what I hear in it is like finding that centered spot, which you've been speaking about, and that's like it, it's it, you can say, oh, well, just find the center spot, and that's the great place to be. Well, my experience is <laughs> the, so that hard. centered spot is like you know. Is is like finding a, knee, a needle in a haystack, you know. A perfect example for me and what's present to me is, yeah, like getting out of the day-to-day of my home care business because it was miserable to me. Right. Like, yeah, it, it, it's been a process that like we're right in the middle of still and I thought we would have been done by now. Mm. And guess what? Like it's great. Yeah. Well, and I don't think and it's, the, it, it's just different than I thought it was going to be. Well, and I don't think the center point or the balance or however however it's worded necessarily is a is a an whole truth either. Like going well, back the to the hooker staying, analogy, like maybe yeah, you do, do want a hooker. Let's do that. <laughs> yeah, like, like maybe maybe the hooker is the best choice. And the far right, it's like that's where I'm at. Like that's where I want to be. Like because it's not important to me if like this. The, and I'm sure there's hookers that are great moms. But, uh, <laughs> Every joke I thought of is like way too inappropriate to share. So I'm going to just let this moment pass. But yeah, like. But the idea is that like to never be so sure that you have the right answer. Mm-hmm. You know, um, my mentor uh, gets pitched a lot of things and, and has a lot of conversations. And one of his responses that he says a lot is goes, he says, that sounds really interesting. I wonder if I'll feel the same way in 48 hours. Do you mind if I don't don't give you a, a response yet? Like, hey, do you want to start a roofing company? That's a really interesting idea. I, it kind of gets me excited. I wonder if I'll still be excited next week. Do you mind yeah. if I think about it for a while? Like, what a powerful way to be, which is like, yeah, have an intention. Like, 
you got to pick a bullseye. Yeah. And, and and it doesn't it doesn't mean that you're right, but it's like we're just it's a ref, it's a refinement process. Yeah. It's like if I'm wandering around in the wilderness in all directions, yeah, like it'd be great to say, you know, I think generally speaking like we should try to head like northish. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like okay, well that's better than wandering around in circles, but like you might find out it's actually north northwest or you might find out somewhere different, but in the meantime, let's not be paralyzed. Let's pick a target. And as you get close to the target, if you you know if you find some new information, stay open to new information, and continue to, and continue to be to be like to be open to iterating. Because like one thing that showed up for me is like I knew I wanted to be a leader, so I started a business. And then I realized, okay, well a lot of people in my business, they are I have a lot of, um, like, uh, laborers in my business. That's the nature of restoration. I have a lot of laborers, and so. Um, I can't lay my aspirations on top of them if those aren't their uh, aspirations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the kind of le- so then I so I got refined. I said, "Oh, I don't like leadership. I like leading people who want to walk a path similar to the one that I've walked. So sales or leadership, that's what it is." Yeah. So I go, "Okay, well I want to find I want to find, you know, young men that are aspirational." And then I find young men that are aspirational, I find I go, "Oh, you know what? This isn't working either because they're not seeking me out. I'm seeking them out. Okay, so when I'm doing my leadership, I wanted to be this kind of people, but they have to. It has to be people who find me. Mm-hmm. I've got to find a way to vet these people that I'm not chasing them down and trying to make them want something they don't want yet. Okay, what's the next level? What's the and I and I thought I but I but my box has been in business, employees. I got to find a business that has lots of employees of aspirational return missionaries. Who want to go be salespeople? Like, holy cow! How incredibly limiting is that? Yeah. And I'm talking to a friend, Jeremy Smith, uh-huh. and he's telling me like, you know, how he coached, helped coach the Snowflake football team, and and he was unbelievably fulfilled by this role. And it's something I'd never looked at as a possibility that like, there's this thing called sports where a bunch of young men who are trying to be the best version of themselves and work hard towards a common goal are just there mm-hmm. and I can go find them. And so I, I, I went to the, there's the volleyball playoffs for the boys volleyball team. And I played volleyball in high school and I found the coach there for my local, you know, that I'm in Highland high school district in Gilbert, Arizona. And, and I find the Highland high school volleyball coach and I'm like, Hey, I just, I want to, can I be, can I work for you? You know, like I just want to, I just want to come do, I'm like, listen, I'm like giving my resume as we're watching the game. I'm like, listen, man, I'm a leader of men. Like this is what you want me. Come dude. on. All region second team 15 years ago, bro. Like, let's go. <laughs> I was the second best setter in a district with five setters. That's like 60th percentile, bro. You need me. But I, I'm like, I, I opened up my mind to like, hey, like I, it, it wasn't even a possibility for me to to fulfill this desire to be a leader in any place other than the business that I owned. Mm -hmm. And so when the business that I owned didn't have any, didn't have enough leadership opportunity, I'm like, well, what other business can I start and own? Like the only thing I was looking for is what business can I own where I can have leadership impact? Mm -hmm. When the question is so much bigger than that, it's where can I have leadership impact? So the target I had was in my business and that was a good target. It got me from no employees to 30 employees. But I guess as I, as I evolved through my career, I have to be open to the idea that, leadership i've been looking to manifest my leadership skills inside my business and maybe now i'll move the target is like hey well geez louise if my business can run without me and i can't find a place where my business needs me anymore but it doesn't align for me to do nothing Mm -hmm. 
Well, then let's open let's open up the size of the the box here and let's see if there's a target somewhere else. And like that doesn't mean I wasted time moving towards this other target. It just means that I'm gonna stay open and receptive. And if I had met Jeremy five years ago, I might have been coaching volleyball for the last five years, having the time of my life. And those 16-year-old kids would now be 21. And I, I, who knows what kind of unbelievable impact or relationship I could have with them if I had opened up my eyeballs five years ago. Yeah. yeah. But I was a little close to it. I had an ideology that leadership is manifested in businesses that you own. Yeah. And, like, I need, you know, these kind of people. I was, yeah. I'm not, my opportunity is so small that, of course, I didn't find much opportunity. The target I was looking for was impossibly small. Yeah, which I, I love that you're sharing this. I love that Tyler's here, too, because we actually talked about coaching last night. And, like, for me, because he was like, yeah, would you ever coach? Should I take this, this coaching job? And I was like, dude, F coaching, F those kids. I got, <laughs> I got money to make. <laughs> like, <laughs> those kids can suck it. I got money to make. I got my family to hang out with and money to make. Screw them, which, like, Great. But, yeah. That's fine. Like, that's like that's not inherently open, wrong. Yeah, yeah. But being open to like, and I think that's one thing, like I love talking to people, but that's why it's so important to like slow down and be like, what would this bring to me? Why would I do this? Right. Whether it's, whether it's coaching or whether it's starting a business. And what's been so interesting for me is that the idea of coaching, I always say that I want to grow. My, I want to learn and grow. I want to, I want to grow in wisdom and stature. I want to, I want to have wisdom and confidence. That's been my personal mission statement. I want to grow in wisdom and confidence and wisdom comes from tackling hard things and failing mm -hmm. and confidence comes from tackling hard things and succeeding. So I just want to tackle hard things, but the goal is I want to take that wisdom and confidence. I want to use it to serve other people. That's been the narrative. I tell myself I'm the hero of my own story and my stories that I want to serve other people. And then Jeremy says, well, why don't you coach? You can serve other people with your wisdom and confidence. And then my first reaction is like, they don't even pay those dudes anything, bro. Yeah. Like, Are give me a break, me? man. Yeah. Like, like I'm worth a thousand dollars an hour. Like, you know, <laughs> I can't do that. And then I was like, okay, well then stop saying that that's what you want. Like what was interesting is, you know, John, you talked earlier about like, I tried to be honest with myself. So I was like, okay, well, which one are you giving up? Like, cause I can't keep saying that I'm doing all this stuff so that I can grow in wisdom and confidence so that I can serve other people. Because this is an opportunity to serve other people. Mm -hmm. And if I don't want to do it, fine, go make money. But just change your story to be like, what do you do? Or what's, you know, what do you want from me? Like, I want to grow a business really big. Like, this is be honest. Like, yeah. But my, that's not what I say. I say, well, I would like to, you know, have a business that allows me to have the freedom to go and have an impact on the world. Well, here I am. And if I don't want to do it, then that's fine. Yeah. Just stop telling the story because the story's not serving me if it's not accurate. And honestly, like, the interesting thing is if I don't want to coach this volleyball team, then fine. Like, that was a target I was moving towards. I got close to the target. And I'm like, eh, it doesn't align for me right in this moment. I'll circle back to a couple years. Okay, what's a different target? Yeah. Maybe I just want to make as much money as humanly possible so that I can, you know, go build an orphanage somewhere. There's a million, you know, there's a million noteworthy aspirations. But, like, we just can't – sometimes we get so locked on to the – the thing we decided 10 years ago was the goal for our lives. And we don't change, we don't change the target, man. Yeah. And yeah. we should, we'd be well served to. I agree. When I, when I was young in high school, like 15, 16, I was trying to think of goals for my life. And the goal was I wanted to make more money than my dad by the time I was 30. Mm -hmm. And I was like probably 15 when I thought of this. And I was kind of a math kid. I was like, that's what I liked. And so I thought, okay, well how much money does my dad make? And, He's from Snowflake, and I'll, 
in case anyone who knows him is listening, I'll, I'll leave out the exact figures, but or maybe I won't. Who knows? But I think, okay, so this is 15-year-old me. I go, I think my dad makes like 250 grand a year. It's like, I think he makes 14 grand a month salary, and then he gets a bonus, you know. Okay, 250. All right, well, you got to factor in inflation, like, you know, in my head. I'm like, you know, <laughs> if I make more, in, if yeah. I make 250, 1,000 in 20 years, like, that's the buying power is less. So I got to make more money than my dad, like, adjusted for inflation. So I came up with 400 grand. I want to make mm-hmm. 400 grand a year by the time I'm 30. And then that's an intention that, like, stuck with me. And sure as shit, man, like, I, my, I turned 30 in February of whatever year. And so my P&L, you know, is for the prior year. And, like, you know, I'm getting to December, you know, October, November, December. At, you know, I'm 29 and 10 months old. And I'm like, what do you know? It was like 401. P&L, net profit, $401,000. And I thought to myself, <laughs> that's incredible. And, and and you can look at it glass half full, which I have. I In that moment, I looked at his glass half full. I thought, what an incredible testament to the power of an intention. Mm-hmm. I grew my box to say I want to fill it with $400,000 a year. I had a $400,000 box, and I put $401,000 in it. Like, how incredible. But then I fast forward five more years. I'm 35 now. And it was like. Crap, that was the biggest goal I had. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't have any, I, don't, I don't have any bigger intentions than that. Yeah, God, I'm enough in life now. You yeah, know? I was like, well, that's weird. I, you know, then I start having questions like, wait, what if my goal had been $2 million a year? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. would I have just done that? Like, I, so what's interesting now is, is when I talk to people is I, just, I share that story a lot. And I go, what I'd like to point out is not that I'm cool because I made this much money or I'm cool that I made my goal. or there's no, It's nothing about me. It's that isn't it interesting that I did exactly not just what I had a goal to do but I did exactly what I thought I was capable of my dad always told me you're smarter than me you're better than me you have more opportunity than me he grew up in snowflake and his parents were school teachers I grew up in the valley where there's more economic opportunity with a dad who had a successful business that opened up a lot of doors he's like you're smarter than me you got better opportunity you'll be better than me and I'm like okay so my dad says I can be better than him all right so if he makes 250,000 I should be able to at least make 250,001 mm-hmm <laughs> And that's the goal I made for myself. That was the yeah. that was that was I. That's what I believed I was capable of. Mm-hmm. And what do you know? I was capable of exactly what I thought I was capable of. And I'm not capable of now. I'm struggling to believe that I'm capable of any more. Yeah. It wasn't an empowering thing. Like I hit that goal, hit the next goal. It's like no. I decided when I was 15. This is my box. This is how successful I can be. And then once I hit it, it's like oh. Now I'm like this thing that looked like an ambitious goal now feels like a friggin' straitjacket. Yeah. So I'd like to point something out about what you said about this box and like how you know you've kind of burst the seams of your box and now it's like well now what? And I I, I hope that people can hear this that are listening because I want to point something out out about it is yeah. people may have listened to this whole podcast as a whole and been like so what you're saying is I should just go create you know if I want to goof off every day for the rest of my life, I, sh- I can go do that. Well, I, I want people, people to also understand that you grew a business and you created systems and you it took years of working so oh, yeah. that you can have this life. Should we mention life. that? Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, like, I, I, I don't want people to just be like, oh, okay, sweet. So I'm going to go find a million dollars in the trash can and I'm going to put it in my bank account and then I'm going to do whatever I want with my life. Like, no, you have created your life exactly how you intended it to whether or not you were awake to it or not. And I sensed there was quite a bit of a, of a wakefulness to it. But what I also want to point out is that, like, yeah, you have now built this incredible box, 
But now that box is like full, and you're like, great, okay, so let's find a new box. It's it's yeah. So the, uh, yeah, you're right. So like, if we we're trying to put a a title on the conversation, it's something around that from 15 on, I had an intention. I knew I wanted to start a business from like from the time I was 10. I knew what income I wanted to make by the time I was 15. Like I've, this has been a, a, a decades long journey. And as I've got to a point in my early middle age at 35, that the initial goals I've set out for myself, I don't know about your guys' goals, but like you guys might've wanted to be small business owners and have a prove to yourselves that you could be a leader and create a business. That was one of my intentions. Like, can I lead? I think I can. I want to go out there and test it and see. I want to go get in the arena and get scraped up and bloody. And like, I guess what I'm saying is like, I've got in the arena, a couple of opponents came out, and like, I definitely got some battle wounds and some scars. But whatever this first round of, you know, battles that I got in, I kind of won. I mean, you know, in the sense that like, I did the thing I set out to do. I hit the income I wanted to hit. I, I started a business, and I, if you ask my employees, they'll say I'm a good leader, and that's what I wanted to see if I could do. And it's like. Now I'm looking around going, do I, is there like a traveling gladiator circuit? <laughs> like, is there like, do I want to go fight dragons? It's like, I don't know. Like, geez, Louise, I'm already tired from these freaking battles. I don't know if I want to immediately jump into this next. Like, now I'm just like, the topic is like, hey, what happens if you have a set of goals and you get into early middle age or middle age and you go, okay, I wanted to be a dad. I'm a dad. I wanted to be a husband. I'm a husband. I want to have a business. I have a business. It's like, how do we iterate? on the fly to evolve and have new targets and new aims that are equally as inspirational as the ones that the rocket fuel, the inspiration I had to want to be a good business leader, to be like my dad, to prove the ideas that I had in my head that I wanted to get a chance to manifest in reality. Like that was incredibly powerful rocket fuel. And my biggest fear is now from 35 to 65, I'm just going to be out on the golf course, dicking around and I will have increased in wisdom and stature tenfold from 15 to 35 and then zero fold from 35. Yeah. My, my biggest fear is I'll wake up at 65 and be no smarter or wiser at 65 than I was at 35 because now I don't have to go to work to pay my mortgage because my house is paid off. So it's like I lost this thing called uh, I have like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I got to put food on the table. I've lost that rocket fuel mm -hmm. and can I find something that will lead me to have a meaningful life because I don't want to I don't want to coast. I don't want to be the kind of guy who starts a business so he can then go dick around. It just doesn't align for me. But I'm a little bit stumped because I spent 20 years thinking about this yeah. first. I've been I've been practicing for this arena yeah. for these opponents from 15 to 35. I'm not sure I'm, I am I even know where to find the next arena quite yet. Well, and I think that's why that void is so, so important. And something I, I can definitely see in my own life is the importance of not – putting so close in a box of exactly what setting goals and chasing it looks like, meaning mm. like like it, it can be outside of just financial. And like there can be seasons to it. So like I can I can have a financial goal that I'm chasing, going after, and as I get close to that goal some freedom can be created and I can fill those with things that don't always have to look exactly like, well I hit I fit, hit the four hundred thousand now it has to be a million. Right. It can be I hit the four hundred thousand and now I want to go, you know, maybe it's some maybe it's some physical. Maybe I want to go like win the win an Ironman or but but hitting these I loved what you said about about wisdom and and uh confidence and 
the like like just facing and doing hard things i think is like such an awesome thing and it doesn't always just have to be business and it can be seasonal like you can have that 400,000 go chase this other hard thing that gives you wisdom in a different way and all of a sudden that's those two combination is what levels you up to where it's like oh like what i can see now is like i've got the potential to make 4 million and I think that's the difference between an ideology and a principle. Ideology is a rigid belief that doesn't always serve you like to be a man, I have to make money. That's an ideology. And that's mm-hmm. rigid and it's not always useful. But you're right. The principle by which I want to live my life is that I want to increase in wisdom and confidence. And if that's it, that's the principle, that's so much more open. Yeah. Like there's wisdom to be had in fatherhood. There's mm-hmm. like – it's never, you know, I told my wife this, and she knows this, but, like, from a young age, you know, I had this goal, this financial goal, but I also decided at a young age, like, really young, I'm going to be an awesome dad, I'm going to be awesome at running a business, and I'm going to be a great LDS missionary. Like, I just, I don't know why, but that just spoke to me as a young kid. Like, I looked at myself and my strengths and my talents. I was like, yeah, dude, I'm going to be a dope dad. I'm going to be great. Oh, yeah, I can totally run a business. Yeah. These guys that teach me Boy Scouts, if they're doing I can do it. We'll be fine. Yeah. Like, we'll, I just had this we'll confidence. Yeah. And I'm killing it at the things I thought I'd kill it at. But, like, but like, my wife observed that I didn't mention, like, anything about what kind of husband I was going to be in that. And that's the other reality is, like, I decided I was going to be great at these three things. And so far, I'm doing pretty good at those three. But I also thought, yeah, I don't know. I'll probably, I don't know if I'll be that good of a husband. And what do you know? I'm pretty mediocre. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm exactly yeah. what I thought I would be. But if my goal is like wisdom and confidence, then it's like, okay, well, maybe I need to take that principle of growing in wisdom and take it over to this place called my marriage because mm-hmm. there's tons of opportunity there. Like I'm screwing a ton of stuff up there. I got. I, I, won't, get, I won't get bored there at all. Yeah. They could use my creativity. And, yeah, that might be a time in a season where why am I – business is doing its thing and you know what my business could fall apart tomorrow and i'll be thrown right back into and i'll have yeah. no choice but to go to work but why not take this opportunity as an opportunity and go go grow in wisdom and confidence somewhere else i think yeah. that's if i let my principles guide me i'll never get bored yeah if i have a rigid definition of what success means or wisdom in business then like yeah man it's like going to an art class and they give you a brown crayon and they're like you can create whatever you want Here's a brown crayon. You're like, can I use some watercolors? Can I do anything else? It's like, no, man. You get a brown crayon. You get this thing called business. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's like so limiting and it's so unnecessarily limiting. Well, oh, go ahead. Um, well, I was just going to say something like I've been really looking like, okay, what is my personal like mission statement similar to what you've shared? And what keeps coming up for me is like really what what do I want? And it's like. What, what comes to me is I want to be best at life mm. and not like best at best compared to others, but best at life for me. And like the 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 forms that that can take is like like it doesn't stop. Like I don't want to just be really successful with money and have six different marriages. Right. And I don't want to be really successful with money and be so out of shape and unhealthy that I can't, can't, but do you probably also don't want to be the world's greatest husband and live in a single wide trailer. Either. Exactly. Yeah. Like you want, you want it all. Yeah. And I also don't want to be, you know, the rich froning and have to live in my parents' basement. Right. Like, and, and I think like it comes back to those principles where it's like, yeah, like that. And that's going to be an ebb and flow. 
you know what's so cool about the way you stated that? You said, I want to live, you know, you didn't say I want to live my best life, but you want to live the best life. And when you said that, it immediately filled me with creativity and possibility. Mm. I thought, oh, man, what's that look like? Like, man, maybe he could, you know, build new ball fields up in Snowflake. They're dilapidated. Maybe that would be part of, you know, maybe revitalizing his hometown. That would yeah. be cool. No, maybe he'll be one of those hashtag van life families. Maybe he'll get his family mm-hmm. and go travel the world and he'll, you know, go swim with whale sharks. And, like, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking for you, like, yeah. oh, what is all this stuff? It can be no fear. all of that? And it can be, but – I know that you're onto something in your mission statement because you, my reaction to your mission statement was creativity and abundance and joyfulness. Yeah. If you had said, I've got to be the richest guy from my graduating class, I'd go, <gasps> like, oh, no. Yeah. What if he's second, though? And then he'll, yeah. like, you have to jump off a bridge because <laughs> he's a failure. Like, <laughs> like it's such a hor- – like, you know, like – You people- suck. <laughs> right? What if one of his buddies invested in Uber? How's he going to beat like, that? My friend who dropped out of high school because he was an alcoholic. Like, I have a- this is a real story. I'm like, this kid I grew up with, like, because this is like, you know, all jokes have some element of truth. And, like, somewhere along the line, I wanted to – like, oh, yeah, your girlfriend was hot and you played football and I got cut. Well, screw you. I'll be richer than you. Like, I, yeah. like some of my rocket fuel was like I wanted to make more money than people who I thought thought they were better than me. Yeah. And it's like this kid, this kid that I was buddies with in elementary school, like, drops out of high school, ends up in a couple different rehabs. I kind of lose track of him. Next thing you know, I reconnect with him, and he is, like, filthy rich. And, like, in my <laughs> head, I was like, I don't think I'm winning, but I think I'm, like – I think I could. I'm, I'm, I could be on the podium for like richest guys from my graduating class. Then in comes this guy who dropped out of high school, <laughs> in rehab, and is like makes a hundred times more money than I do. He's like a freaking tech billionaire living on an island somewhere. And I'm like, shit. I thought I was doing. Like, but the idea was it fills me with. And so, yeah, I'd never write on my bathroom mirror, "Be richer than the guy who wouldn't let you in his prom group." Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't, because uh-huh. I know that's stupid when I say it out loud. Yeah. That's why he's laughing because it's so stupid. But, but it's don't so laugh because it's, so it's all. You're only laughing because I said it out loud. If I kept it in my head, yeah. like it's, you'd be like, "That's my driver." Damn, yeah, like f that yeah, guy. That's man. why I'm the hardest worker in the yeah, room. Yeah, hardest worker in the room. Like lion, not sheep, bro. Like yeah, like it's weird. Like it's really toxic. But like you're laughing because like that's not that's not. That's, I'm not far off from the motivation oh, that actually fuels a lot of people. But if I said I have an intention to be the richest guy in my graduating class, for me it goes – and it's, it's – like I yeah. said, it's this anxiety. It's fear and it's comparison as the thief of joy and it's nasty. But when you say I just want to like live the best version of my life, I go, oh, man, what could that be? Like, so I, I guess the reason I'm pointing to that is I, I suppose I'm, I'm inviting myself and anyone who's listening to run – your life intentions and your personal mission statements, official or unofficial, the things that you would profess, the things that are running you, whether the kind of things you'd write on the mirror or the things you wouldn't write on the mirror because they're they don't they don't pass the light of day test, whatever they are, look at them and ask yourself: Are they like Garrett's? Are they like Garrett's goal? And they go: Do they fill you with inspiration and abundance and and creativity, or do they like stress you out? Yeah, because that's well, probably a, a good way to gauge whether you you nailed it or not. But guess what? An intention is good, man. Like we're 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 work we're refining our way towards the target. Like a bad intention is better than no intention. So beat yourself up. Like my goal was to make more money than these kids that I thought were were better than me. And guess what? That got me off the freaking couch, dude. Yeah. And that got me working. And I'm working and I'm working and I'm grinding and I'm grinding. And somewhere I come up for air and I go, oh man, this is a lot of work. And I'm not sure it's worth it. Cause now that I'm 24, I can't. Even, I haven't even seen that kid. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, this kid really mattered. Like the yeah. day I graduated from high school. 
gosh, he doesn't matter as much anymore. That rocket fuel is burning off, and like now I got to put some different fuel in my tank. Well, great, put some better fuel in your tank. Like that's when I came up with. Yeah. Well, maybe now I want to try to be wise. Okay, cool. That wasn't like, like it's fine to have like you yeah. know. But, it's, but it's don't beat yourself up. But like, but iterate. I guess is it, the is the goal. It's a lot easier to become wise if you don't have to spend twelve hours of your day to be able to put food on the table for your family. Hundred percent. So it's like yeah. So it's like, useful yeah. and honor honor the utility in it. Like like. Sit down, like, if you have to have a breakup with, like, hustle culture self. Like, you know, at a certain point, I had a self, a version of me that was only motivated by comparison. I had to be better than the other people that I had, you know, sort of, like, heart scars around. At a certain point, I had to sit that version of myself down figuratively. But I kind of did it literally in my head, too. I kind of sat that hustle comparison Jason down and say, hey – I love you, man. I really, and this probably sounds so cheesy, but like it was real. Like it was so heartfelt. Like, hey, I appreciate that you saw that 17-year-old Jason had low self-esteem. And God bless you, you came up with a plan. Like 17-year-old Jason had low self-esteem. And up up pops this hustle comparison. Jason's like, hey, you feel shitty about yourself, right? Here's an idea, bro. We, we can fix it. You can't catch or throw touchdowns, but once we graduate, we'll make more money than these fools. Then you'll feel great about yourself. <laughs> and it was like, hell yeah. What an idea. That's an amazing idea. And so then I go live that. And then, you know, 24, 25, you go, I don't think this is healthy. I've but never I'm, thought of those guys ever. So, yeah. Those guys yeah. don't matter anymore. And this comparison thing is like, there's always, you never have enough. You just find a new group of people to feel insecure on. I make more money than these guys. And all of a sudden I discover these guys and they make more. And like, all of a sudden I realized the flaws, but, but I sat that version of me down and said, Hey, I'm not going to like listen to you anymore. Like, I'm not going to do this freaking comparison thing, but you took me from 17 and paralyzed with low self-esteem to like on my feet in action, making progress, putting myself out in the world and thank you, but I'm now going to shed you and evolve to the next iteration of myself and be better. But I'm not going to look back on you with ill feelings or say, well, that was stupid or that yeah. was wrong or that was unhealthy. Of course it was. It was like. It was, less, you know how to do it was less time. unhealthy than locking myself in my parents' basement and not having the courage to face the world. So it's like, yeah, honor whatever gets you wherever you need to go. But always be on, like, if you see a trash can on the side of the road and you're like, those sons of freaking waste management, <laughs> man. Like, great. Like, I, I don't, like, if that's the only fuel, like, if that's the only fuel in your tank that day, then yeah, use yeah. it. But like, have an awareness. It's like, what's a nobler purpose? Yeah. And it's like, if living my best life is a nobler purpose, then yeah, let's adopt that. Like, that's great. But, but this doesn't have to be. This is not to be dismissive. Like any 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 fuel in your tank is is really useful, but we can always be on the lookout for for healthier and higher motivations. You know what's interesting is is as you say, you've created this void, and you're kind of like what what to fill it with, and in, in the in the idea of you know refining till you get to the to the middle of the target. Is the nice thing is is you've got some really great evidence to say like, huh. Well, when I do find whatever is going to fill this void, like, I know I'm going to be able to do it. Because guess what? Look back at what I did now. Like, uh, you, you already have the evidence that it's, it's going to be doable. And the void's going to – and I also have the evidence that the void's going to be filled because every time I create a space in my life, Thank you. Something, something shows up. You know, whenever I have courage and I act on a correct principle of abundance and whatever, it's like, yeah, it works out. But sometimes, like, you know, I, like I said, I ditched these bad friends and I had no friends for six months. But then the friends I made – I'm still friends with today. So, like, I can look back. I want wisdom and confidence. Wisdom tells me that when I'm chasing a correct principle, 
that you know the alchemist would say the universe will conspire in your favor mm-hmm. i have the wis- like that's a piece of wisdom that i i believe that the universe when i'm chasing my highest purpose the universe will conspire in my in my favor like i have confidence in that nugget of wisdom so i'm like hold like don't go start cleaning trash cans bro <laughs> Just wait. Unless, unless it's for that highest purpose yeah, like, unless don't, it's intentional yeah yeah don't do it like don't do it just to do it man don't do it just do it hold like be patient like if you ran back to those lame friends like you know like where would you be like be you know this this getting some reps up yeah it gives me some confidence and some wisdom and and in the meantime like I'll go try to play wiffle ball with my kids and come home early. And I did a half Ironman. I'm gonna go do a full Ironman. I'm gonna do something because it aligns yeah. for me to be in motion. But I'm gonna be in motion. I'm not gonna be spinning in circles. There's yeah. a difference between a cul-de-sac and a dip. I'm not gonna run around in circles. But if I'm climbing out of a hole, like I'll, I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I still want to be an object in motion. But I'm not gonna be a, a, a human doing. Yeah. I'm not gonna go be busy for busyness' sake to prove something to these these audience members that live in my brain that eat popcorn and watch me to read it, judge me. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's, that's a funny thing. Like any of this judgment or when, and like you said, I, if it's fuel for a time being, like just be honest about it. Yeah, like everything yeah. else we talked about today, things aren't good or bad. Like they're bad if we're dishonest about it. Yeah, them. exactly. And, but, but the reality is like 99% of the time, no one cares what you're doing. No, no one like they're, They've got their the own only stuff. people paying attention to me in any meaningful way are the imaginary people in my head. Yeah. There's nobody in real life <laughs> yeah. with real popcorn paying attention to me yeah. going, I wonder what he's going to do next. I, I really should get a bag of popcorn and go sit out your window someday. <laughs> What's he doing? <laughs> is he working hard? <laughs> I knew it. What signs? Are you working hard, Jason? Like little narcissist Jason that I've been trying to murder for 35 years. Like, yes, yeah, see? You are special. Everyone cares. Everyone is waiting on you to give them hope and inspiration. <laughs> well, all right, fellas. This, this has been incredible. We've been going for a long time, so let's bring this to a point. Um, yeah. So what do we learn? What what would we hope other people would take? Like, are we we're trying to land the plane? I mean, this is your podcast, yeah. but I I no, feel like we've talked around things, and I would I I trust the intelligence level of your audience to 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 mine whatever gems that they're going to mine. But is there is there something on your guys's mind that you see as like um, as a takeaway out of class in high school where we'd learn whatever we'd learn, but someone had to get up at the end. It was called so what. Every day, a different kid had to go come up and say, oh, so what. So yeah. well, this is what we learned. So. So uh, what? Like, do we Mary have a hookers. so what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hookers and blow. <laughs> yeah. If you escape like a re- conservative religious cult, don't immediately marry a stripper. If you already are married to a stripper, don't go join a deeply conservative religious cult. Because somewhere in that journey, you're passing this thing called the sweet spot. Like, just chill. Yeah. No, I I would. Uh... If you work too much, don't freaking quit and grow your hair out like a freaking hippie right away. Maybe you do, but like, be cautious. If I think that if I were to put more uh, appropriate language around it. I would say that if you identify a problem in your life and your solution is to do the opposite, beware. Yeah. If you're if your 32-year-old mother with three children and you got married super young and you go, man, I never I, – I missed out on some things, got married. The answer is not to just go, like, sleep with every dude in your yeah. neighborhood. That's what we call an overcorrection. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, yeah. if you – but, like – if you are, my wife's 32 and has three kids, and I hope she doesn't just like run out. Hey, oh. Deuces. Yeah. But like, that just seems to be the age that I know girls get married young, they have kids, and they go, oh, crap, I'm not going to be like young and hot forever. Like, I missed out on college. I missed out on yeah. being single. Like, there's this, that's a, that is a problem. If my wife, this is, again, not about my wife. <laughs> not that I know of. But like, if she's not fulfilled, 
Well, yeah, that's a real problem. But like, and part of the problem is she is unfulfilled because at 19, she married me. <laughs> and like that changed the trajectory of her life. And that is real and that is true. And there are things that she did not get to experience because of the life choices she made. That is true. It does not mean that the solution is to do the opposite. Yeah. So I think the principle, the hooker principle, is that like when you identify a problem, if your solution is to do the opposite, beware. Yeah. Well, I, what's also very simply put, creation is, an, is a process, not an event. Oh, there you go. Yeah, like the, the, the stone worker who, who hits, a, hits a stone 100 times and on the 101st time the rock splits in half. And he'd be naive to think that the 105th blow, or 101st blow was the one that mattered. Yeah. They all mattered, but it was a process. And so, yeah, we should probably say, hey, that, that's an interesting idea. I wonder if I'll still feel that way next week. And it's iteration and it's evolution. Yeah. It's not – it's a it's a journey and not yeah. a yeah like it's just a it's just a degree at a time. Yep, love it. Is there anything else? What else did we learn? Man, I I I would say, be be honest and then be on purpose. Mm. Like that's that's what I got with everything. Like you gotta slow down enough to tell the truth, and once you've told told the truth, whatever you're doing, be on purpose. And, and can I tell you, I, I as a person who has found some ability to tell myself the truth. I think the thing that helped me tell the truth is give yourself permission to not do anything about it and to not have any answers for it. Like we don't have to do this is like a, if this is a 12 step process or a 10 step or a 100 step process, you don't have to have I think sometimes we don't want to tell the truth because we don't have an answer for it. Like, oh man, I feel unfulfilled at work. Well, I have to work because my team needs me. It's so like so you bury yourself in like, well, I don't have an answer so I can't address the problem. I think there's something powerful going, I don't I don't love my my home healthcare business the way I used to. Like, that's easier to say if you don't have to also have a solution. Just say the problem. Just yeah. say the problem. Be okay with it. Just sit in that, man. Just sit in that uncertainty and and just like one step in the right direction. And awareness is good enough. Like, give yourself if you're gonna tell yourself the truth. It's a little bit less scary if you don't have to have the solution right away. Yeah. My wife can just say, Yeah, I'm a little unfulfilled. Oh, okay, cool. That's. That's like something we can work on now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But if she said, "Well, I can't bring that up because I have to, these three kids to raise," I'll bring it up when my last kid leaves, leaves, you know, leaves the house for college. Then I'll bring up that I'm unfulfilled. It's like, no, dude, don't do that. Yeah. We're unbelievably powerful creators. We just be honest, and then we let don't, it, let we it don't have to go the next eighteen years being unfulfilled. Yeah, and we don't have to have the answers. Just yeah. start with saying the thing out loud. Give yourself permission to just to have that be all you know. Love it. Love yeah. it. I think ideology versus principle. That's the one I would say. Like Ooh. I don't, we don't want to be so rigid that I am going to be a small business owner, or I am going to have five kids, or I'm going to have two kids, or I'm never going to be the guy who gets divorced, or I'm never going to be the guy who gets married. It's like those are just like those are just weird things. Those are those are actions. Like don't build your life around actions. Build your life around principles. And let the actions just sprout out of the principles. If your ideology is like I want to have an impact as a leader, I want to have an impact, and so now. That's a principle. It doesn't have to be in my business, but I've been treating it like it has to be in my business because yeah. I've been acting like an ideology. I've My narrative is like I'm going to be a powerful business leader. It's like, no, my principle is like I just want to have an impact on the world. Like yeah. I think there's so much there's so much power in understanding whether you have a principle or an ideology. And if yeah. it's fear-based, then it's probably an ideology. Quick yes. Abundance-based, it's a oh. principle. Quick book reference to what you're saying it, it, that I, I love this book and hopefully it will be useful to others that talks a lot about principles and how principles principles can be useful in your life is The Greatest Salesman in the World by Og Mandino. 
Sweet. Kind of a short book, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. It's a quick read, but I found it impactful for me, and it talks a lot about how principles and using them in our lives can be very useful. So. Quick my dad made me listen to that on cassette tape as we made sales calls. It's an old one. It's a goodie. Five. <laughs> yeah. Augmandino, Zig Ziglar, Stephen Covey, Dale Carnegie. It was like the classics. Yeah, like big twenty-four cassette booklets that my dad and I. <laughs> I would. remember those. Those were freaking sweet. They were sweet, man. But I probably need to. I probably need to dust off. You know, a copy of 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 Greatest Salesman in the World since it's. I don't know how much of it I retained from listening to it on cassette when I was six. <laughs> <laughs> well, sweet. We'll appreciate everyone listening. Um, if you got anything out of this podcast, share it with someone else that can get something out of it. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. Peace.